0: the episode of the Fan Engagement Pod where sports marketing guru Tim Crow and me, Kevin Rye and Think Fan Engagement talk with a special guest about why fans don't get listened to in football and why that has to change. This week it's Julian Jenkins whose Simmel Sports Group recently put in a bid for Wigan Athletic and is looking to buy and radically change a football club based on fan engagement, corporate community activism and a radical approach to the finances. He's got loads to say about Cardiff City, Wrexham, the EFL and Simmel Sports' attempt to buy Wigan and the state of the game generally. He tells us why he's passionate about getting fans involved and radically altering the way football clubs do their business. Don't forget to like, subscribe and share this episode and all of our episodes in your favourite podcast app. It really does help us. And please head off to fanengagement.net for more on Think Fan Engagement. Enjoy the episode. So Julian, you you were you were just sort of um, off mic before we started. We were just kind of having a quick chat about a couple of things because the reason that we um, I've, I've to be to be completely honest with you, ever since you you did your fanalyze stuff, um, I've I've kind of been interested to talk to you anyway because you know, and you are also you worked at, um. Now let me get this right. You worked at Cardiff City. Yeah. Now I think I'm right in saying Tom Gorringe worked with you, aren't I?
1: Yeah, I used to joke and say Tom was one of my best signings. um yeah. you know yeah. he, I, I took him from uh, took him from Portsmouth at the time yeah,
0: yeah. yes so for people listening who aren't sure, aren't sure that you know I've given a lot of props to Tom um Tom's the commercial director actually on the board commercial director as well of Bristol Rovers was at Cardiff City um, with Julian and was also at Brighton his own the club he supports he started out at Portsmouth went through all sorts of awful things there um learned an awful lot clearly and brought it into the places he worked in so you were there Judy and as I recall when um when Vincent Tan unwisely decided to turn the shirts red without any consultation
1: yeah and, and I to be honest to be honest with you if you'd have brought that subject up, I would have changed the color of my top um, but uh, but <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realize that question was coming um, so I unwisely fell into it um, yeah, look, I think, I think you know, let's be honest, going back over those times as as somebody who was a Cardiff fan who who worked within the club, um, And I think we'll we'll ex- maybe expand on these topics of expectations and ownership and understanding and all of the things that really end up in a club. and and you know when when a business businessman comes into any football club, Um, or any business, they believe that they have the right to shape and mould that business um, in any way which they feel is fit and proper for that business to be successful. And in any other business, maybe, uh, apart from the sports business, it it probably stacks up. Um, But unfortunately, in the world of football, uh, it doesn't. And, you know, in the end, I think sense prevailed and and the colour got changed back it is difficult though i suppose um for a lot of clubs when there is um large sums of money promised to take the club forward and at what point do people look at that you know red you know red bull salzburg for instance you know uh, forest green rovers um you know they've they've changed their kit you know they've done all of these things you know and again uh, I'm not sticking up for the decision but you know leeds changed their color of their kit because don't really like the way Real Madrid played, and 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 Leeds United now are all for all ever known as as playing in the white. So I think there are a number of things in there that that needs to be unpicked to understand some of the issues um, that we currently face today, and and some of the some of the misunderstanding of of what um, foreign investment, and I'm saying foreign investment. Um, you know, comes in and starts to do. You know, there's there's a number of, I think, um, well-documented faux pas um, in recent weeks <laughs> uh, as much as anything else. So, you know, for me, I think it's, it's important looking back and looking forward that the club's heritage, the club's culture, the club's ethos, the club's values, the, the club's you know, everything about the club that makes that club the club is, is in fact, its its strengths and not its weaknesses. And yeah. the fundamental things don't generally need to be changed, just some of the culture and some of the work that around it does do. Um, so yeah. it, 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 long and short, I think, it, retrospectively, was a bad idea. Hmm.
2: Wasn't it brilliant, by the way, at the cup final, talking of owners and foreign owners and foreign ownership, wasn't it brilliant to see the, the Leicester owner, son of son of the, the previous guy, of course, who tragically died, but wasn't it brilliant to see him on the field at the end, hugging the players, you know, waving at the fans? That you know, that was just such I mean it was a great cup final, was a, a bit of an old school cup final, wasn't it? Old school goal, you know. <laughs> um, and and a sort of old school sort. Of, I don't know whether well, you'd call it an upset or not, but anyway, proper proper FA Cup final. But that was a great moment. I thought that I've, I've had another f- fun moment actually. In the last couple of weeks, I nearly drove off the road. I was listening to a podcast. There was a finance guy talking about football, and he said the problems in football are all the fans' fault.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, not- well, technically, technically, in many ways, they are because <laughs> they put up with the le- you know, they put up with it. Um, and 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 some of this is some of it is some of that you know and and I think if you if you if you talk about look at the ownership of Leicester, you know it's it in many ways this is a shining example of potentially how to do it the right way and yeah. and and hats off and congratulations to them and you know when we talk about foreign ownership, um, it doesn't mean we're always painting with this really wide brush of of error and catastrophe and all of those things because like everything you know there is good and bad ownership no matter where the owner comes from
0: yeah can i put can I chuck something into this i, I mean i want to um just for from, for my sake i you know my my take on this tends to be um it's not to do with foreign or domestic because i spent years cleaning up the mess of domestic owners it's disconnected and connected yes and what you saw with Leicester was connected and he and, the, and this is where it comes to the, the title of this podcast because this is this is not the normal run-of-the-mill have a chat about um you know and it's a great podcast I love doing it and, and talking about someone's approach to fan engagement this is explicitly why don't they ask the fans and you, 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 you you've probably you know I mean we could answer it with this answer every single episode and that's that well because in terms of football clubs well because I bought the club um, and I don't need to ask the fans now the thing that I come at it with and this is where Tim. This is why Tim, sort of me and Tim, do this together because he's seen this in his own, particularly in his mar- sports marketing um, career. Is um, is I think that um, that you run a better business if you do um, because you go in and you understand the market. Now, if we want to talk about pure, pure and simple, um, uh, you know, business speak, you understand your customers, you understand your market, you understand your reach you understand the very particular type of business. And, and yet so many come in and don't, uh, and lose the benefit from that, don't they? And where you're talking about the Leicesters of this world, um, it's because he's bothered to come in, albeit after a terrible tragedy, but his family has bothered to set up because they've got a structure there that actually works and means that they're asking the questions and they're listening to the answers. So that's what a lot of it is about, isn't it? Is that actually? Well, yeah. I think
1: yeah. Look and, and again, you know, let's be honest. Vincent Towns done a lot of good stuff for Cardiff City Football Club, and and you know they've been to the Premier League twice under his stewardship. So you know, there's there's again, it's it's not all bad. It's not all good. I, I think I think for me, yeah, the ownership generally comes down to what the perception of the business is, and the, what the perception of the business is. Let's be completely honest. If you looked at You know, the Premier League, there's probably three leagues in the Premier League, okay? Um, And the top echelons of that Premier League. And you could see the complete apathy from the the Glaziers, and let's call it as it is, when the, the interviewer tried to speak to them about what had happened in the ESL. I think some people actually don't understand, they actually don't think that their business could be a lot more successful if fans didn't get in the way. Because if you think about how a Premier League club earns its money as a percentage of fan-related income, it's not nowhere near as much if you were asking Notts County or or something like that. You know, the the numbers are completely different. It's everything skewed. But even, you know, I've been involved now coming back into football for six months and and I've spoken to quite a few um, owners and and sat down and looked at a number of clubs um, and the ownership and the structure and things like that. You'd be surprised how many clubs actually just see themselves as a player trading platform. And if your business is a player trading platform, do you really want 20,000 people in a stadium calling you bad names? Some, and it sounds terrible. And I actually think some ownership may be in fact quite like the fact that there's nobody in the stadium currently yes. um, because, you know, their, their their business model isn't about four, five, six million pounds worth of ticket sales. It's about ten to fifteen or twenty million pounds worth of player sales. So you, you've got to think about this sometimes as well. Is is the ownership will come in and they will have their own structure and ideas and culture. And we know full well that the fish rocks from the head down. Okay, and and when we're looking at ownership, and that's one of the reasons I want to come back in football. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm trying to come back into football as part of an ownership group because that way we can shape and do the things that we want to do rather than being told or dictated to or or, or or paid as an employee to do what and to deliver sometimes things that we don't want to deliver. But from my perspective, I think we need to understand from the owners what their understanding of what the business is. Because a lot of them, it's is player performance to get to the Premier League and cash a check. It's to sell players to cash a check. It's not to grow a community club to become a benefit and an asset from an econ- you know, economical, social or sporting value. It's not that at all. So when you speak to those people, it's, it's very alien to them and they're not interested in it because actually it's not the reason why they're there. And, and we have to remember sometimes football clubs, you know, to us mean something to others as a vehicle. And, and then we get, you know, these people get into those positions of power and and it is a vehicle. And then when you start to say you should listen to us, well, why should I? I need to listen to the scouts because the scouts are the people are telling me who the next left back is. And the next last left back left and went to Liverpool for twenty five million. Why do I need to spend, speak to somebody who's going to bring me twelve quid, right? And I'm not saying that's the case across the board, but I think again to to put a wide brush about or you know what what football is is our perception of that because we're. We're on the outside and the inside and being on the outside and the fans. But when these people come in, their structure, their model, their understanding of what the business is, is not the traditional football club that we see, but a way to trade players, a way to get to the Premier League, a way to, and fans, you know, as I say, I'm going to say it again. You know, I've actually heard some you say, you know, football is great, but sometimes fans get in the way, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and and that's the truth. You know? that's,
2: what, that's what the finance guy on the podcast was. But I mean, it is is very interesting. He 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 he's got this uh, sort of very paradoxical point of view. On the one hand, he's he's big on. He was talking about data, how important fan data is. And on the other, he was saying, you know, fans basically are a bit of an irritation because they expect too much, and you know, the so, hang on, which is it? The answer is he sort of sees fans as customers, really, and he'd prefer it if they they were just like part of the algorithm and didn't have any opinions. Clearly, um, so there we go. <laughs> oh,
0: quite, Sorry, good that's what I was going to say. It might be quite um, um, useful if, for a start, they treated fans like customers, and then we wouldn't be moaning all the time. Well, no, but again, I was what? thinking.
1: I was yeah. thinking about it today, you know, and 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 it, it sends a shiver down many people's spines when 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 somebody says that you know fans are customers and the reason for that is is fans don't trust the ownership anyway and they don't have very some fans don't have a lot of respect for the ownership they don't trust the ownership when they call customers they, they don't actually trust them that that is a good thing or a bad thing and 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 it and it riles people up and i think i think in football clubs that are customers i think in, i think in football clubs that are fans you know if my she's not allowed live now, but you know, if, if, all right, if my mother-in-law walked into the shop at Cardiff and bought um, me a Jersey for Christmas, she's not a fan, she's a customer. And, and she's buying something for a fan. And I think some of those things, but you're right. You know, if there was a basic principle of treating people correctly, you know, I, I, I always joke about it, but we did some amazing stuff. I put in brackets, amazing stuff at Cardiff in the away end and we went best innovation and I, and, and I remember going up in the world, I had to bite my tongue and say, we've won, this sums football up. We've won best innovation for treating people yeah. well. Yeah. It was an innovation. If it was an innovation. How innovative <laughs> is that? You know what I mean? It, in any other industry, you know, I was lucky, to, lucky enough to travel America with a guy called Jeff Knoll for a little while. And, um, you know, he was, the, he was one of the head guys at Disney. And he used to say to me, you know, we used to talk about football. And I, I always talk, you know, when, when we talk about things with football clubs, that football clubs are great at doing selling once, okay? So they, they're very good at doing things once. Um, but Jeff Noel used to say to me, and he was right, you know, when Disney used to do anything, every night was the opening night, okay? Every night was the opening night. And, and, and I, I used to think to myself about that. And, it, you know, I, I, and that's when I used to, you know, tell the old story about, you know, let's be completely honest, most Football club or sports club's um, marketing campaign is based around two things um, discounting and success. Um, and if you get success, then everyone's going to come. If they don't come, you must discount the tickets. And, and you, you then sit down, you know, when the fixtures come out in, in June and you start to look at all the fixtures and you think to yourself, you know, that really cold Tuesday night in February when you play in no disrespect to Rotherham, but maybe Rotherham at home. Um, and i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to try and boost the attendance. We're going to do kids for a quid. Okay. So you're going to do it on a school night. You're going to do it in the middle of February. And you're going to do it against Rotherham. Brilliant. And the reason you do it is because you're not going to do it. You're not going to do, do it against a team where you're going to get a crowd um, because that, you know, that would be cannibalizing. Well, I'd say, well, actually you're going to sell out. We're not going to sell out though. So why wouldn't you make your big games bigger? Well, you know I, i've just come out of owning restaurants if 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 i wanted to invite you in for a meal kevin i'm gonna i know all oh, my dishes are strong but there's one really strong dish and i'm gonna cook you that really strong dish the football what they do is they actually cook you the worst dish <laughs> and, and then serve 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 you really badly right and 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 expect you to come back
0: Tim, and Tim, Tim, you've yeah. got to have you come on you've got to have some kind of uh you, there's, there's got to be something you can compare in marketing or this, this is this is a this you know that i've never heard such a perfect analogy or metaphor whether yes,
2: it's, it's playing around in my mind i um <laughs> uh, th- there was a there was a it's something that has been mentioned to me on more than one occasion actually seems to have struck a chord with a lot of people but um a guy uh who's a spurs fan put up on Twitter, I think, you know, in the days following the sort of Super League announcement and then unravelling a debacle, the communications he got from Spurs, um, which were completely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you heard
0: this, Julian, this
2: is brilliant. Oh, it's really, it was sort of, you know, discounted shirts and, you know, <laughs> it was it was absolutely brilliant. So I'm quite, I quite like that, that the, the dish analogy. I'm going to play around with that and see <laughs> But we get to but,
0: yeah, there you go, there you go, Tim. I mean, um, uh, the moment they've cocked up, um, you know, and I, I really am not rubbing their noses in it. It's not my, you know, they they, they rub their own noses in it. That the moment they cock up, they're then trying to distract everyone by saying, "Look at that pretty shirt over there. We've got ten percent off." I mean, I it it is well, it, Maybe
2: um, maybe it's just you know the right hand and the left hand not not knowing what yeah,
1: they're
2: doing. To isn't. go back to the, the chef and I just here. It, you mentioned forest green. I have this very, I have a very sort of contradictory relationship with forest green. Because mm. um, I do, I mean, I admire, I mean, in many ways I admire what they're trying to do. My, my, my wife is a vegetarian. So, you know, I get, I get that. And a lot of friends I know admire them, but equally, you know, uh, as a fan and going back to the chef analogy, I went there as a Halifax fan to the, uh, to, uh, you know, as an away fan. And the way they treated the way that's absolutely abysmal. Um, yeah, but isn't that's, that's, that's you who, know, unfortunately, who actually was part of it? It was <laughs> because when we said, "Is there an alternative?" You know, which is a fair enough question. You know, the abuse, frankly, the abuse we got was incredible. You know, yeah. there was no attempt at, well, look, this is this is who we are. It was sort of, well, you know, you, you know, you're an idiot, aren't you? You know, wanting a Beef burger. Well, no, I'm yeah. not actually. I'm not. <laughs>
1: you know. um, and, and, and but that, But again, you know, it, it's funny. I love, funny, that, isn't I, it? love
2: I love know. the analogy, Kev. We need to play around with the, the <laughs> restaurant analogy. But
1: it's true, though, isn't it? And, you know, and, I, and and I and I think about you know. I think about you know the things when, when Jeff Knell says every no, uh, every night's the opening night, and you know, and I and I've said this story many times that you know again we have a family fund Okay. So you push the boat out. You're going, you know, we're going to get some face painters. We're going to get, you know, a bouncy castle. We're going to go and get a magician. We're going to go and we're going to do all these amazing things. And we're going to charge the kid a quid. And dad's a fiver. And, you know, we're going to put on a really nice day. And we're going to have some really, you know, after half time entertainment that's going to be suitable and to keep the kids entertained. And we're going to have a wonderful day. Beautiful. Dad comes, two kids loved it. Went away. My God, I never knew it was like that. Then his kid comes home three weeks later and says, Dad, you fancy going to the game? And he says, of course, why wouldn't we? He goes online, kid's 15 quid, right? So it's 15 times what he paid last time. He's now 40 quid, right? Which is 10 times more. But he says to himself in his mind, even at that, I think that still represents good value. He gets to the ground and the steward's in front of him. And he says, no bouncy castle today? No, 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 no. So, so did I miss the face painting on the way in? No, 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 no. That not, you're, sorry, sir, you're getting confused. That was the family fun day. <laughs> this is the family no fun day. This is the family unfun fun day. <laughs> and you've charged me 30 times more. <laughs> right, so what I'm going to do, I'm bound to get inside and see and feel something different, aren't I? Because the halftime entertainer, last time was brilliant. Where's everybody? <laughs> What's happened here? Oh, they're <laughs> and they're charging my son 50 <laughs> They're charging charge 15. And, I, and you're like, what hang on a minute? What am I? don't haven't I? I've been done. I've I've been I've been absolutely done. You know, let's go and watch the game. You're two on at half time You're waiting for the half-time entertainment because this is going to sort of bring it back a little bit. And there's a draw, a lottery, and I didn't buy one of those tickets because they didn't have them run in the family stand. And what am I doing? I'm out. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's how this thing works, you know? And, and that's, that's how these wheels turn and, 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 and there'll be people watching this going, Oh my God, he's right. All right. Because that's what happens. And I thought leaving this industry six years ago, that I'd come back in and things would be different. It's actually worse. <laughs> Okay, it's actually worse, and I'm not sitting here in an ivory tower saying, "Oh, it'd be amazing to be this and be that." I'm just talking about core basics. It's worse, and the reason why I believe it's worse is because the disconnect is now even bigger than it's ever been. Right? And I was hoping that COVID might have had some form of reset button, and unfortunately, I think it's even got the divide's got even bigger. And we talk briefly about ESL. For me. And I, and I really love to get on, you know, BBC Radio 5 or speak to somebody and say, why isn't anyone talking about the elephant in the room? And that is player acquisition, players' wages and costs related to football is astronomical. Do you honestly think that the 350000000 million that's been brought into the game, when Mr Pogba knocks the door of ex-Mr Woodward and says... I'm renegotiating my contract, pal. And by the way, my agent, which you don't like, wants more money because we understand you've got another 350 million. So all it does is, is it cannibalizes itself and starts eating into that money. And nobody's saying, nobody's saying in the game, like, like League One and League Two, they, voted, they vote in a, a cap, salary cap. Then they vote it back out. Some people complain about it. You know, let's, let's, let's be honest. We can talk about about family fun days. We can talk about how to engage with fans. We can talk about football is broken. Full stop is broken. And until we can get to a model that is local, community-driven, has a voice of its local area that is run sustainably, right, without the fear of loss, because agents play on it every... I've I've been in contract negotiations... I was a CEO in Geneva. I chucked two agents out because they treat you like as if you're a second-hand car salesman. And, and, and no disrespect to second-hand car salesmen, but but you know they treat you in that way. They treat you with this, yeah, but if you don't sign him, he's going to go across the road. I'll tell you what I can do if you want. I've, in this role, I have a sponsored car. I can take you there. Right? Get out. Because I have a budget, and my budget is a percentage of my turnover. And my turnover is driven by my engagement and the quality and relationship of the output, direct output I have with my fans/ customers. right So if I want, if I want to spend more money on players, I need to go to the fans and say, "Here's a transparent model." okay if we If we say we're going to spend 70 percent of our, uh, our revenue on a playing budget, simple maths, if you bring in a, if we bring in a million pounds. 700,000 pound of that will go on the playing budget. If we bring in 10 million pounds, seven million pounds to the playing budget. So when you come to me and say in January, why haven't you signed anyone? And I know for a fact that you took your son's 18th birthday party to the pub down the road and not to the John Charles suite. Don't, don't come asking me about how I'm going to sign a player or whatever, because we're in this together and, and, it's my fault in many ways i think some of this because in 2006 i think mark bradley and a couple of other people myself included started to coin the phrase fan engagement fan experience and actually it's much wider than that now it's it's stakeholder engagement it is an engage it's football engagement of which fan engagement is part of that <laughs> Okay, and I do get passionate about it, and I do get on my soapbox, as you can tell. But you think about this, right? Logically, and I've seen it happen. We have a transactional based relationship and I don't like the word sponsors, by the way, right? I like the word partners, right? We have a transactional-based relationship with our, I'm going to keep all vernacular, sponsors. We speak to them twice a year or maybe once a year, and every time it's transactional-based. Would you like to spend some money with me, sir? Would you like a box? Would you like this? Old-fashioned, you know, hardcore inventory, okay? The, Mr, Mr. A to B taxis, I'm making it up, Okay has been with me for 20 years, and he's had a board for 20 years. And I go to him once a year and I say, hello, Mr. A to B taxis, Uh, would you like a board this year for 1500 quid? He says, no. And I say, oh, why? Struggling a bit this year. Every single football club will turn around to him and say, oh, sorry to hear that. If it changes, give me a shout. Instead of saying, I tell you what, Mr. A to B taxis, you've been with me for 20 years, Let's do a free email campaign for you to say that you've supported the club for the last 20 years. You're finding it tough, hard times in COVID. If any Cardiff fans would like to get a taxi, please phone Mr. A to B taxis because he's been with us for 20 years and he's struggling. And I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a programme and I'll give you an advert in the programme free. Give us a shout if you need any more help and when your business turns around or if we anything we can do for you, let us know. How many football clubs out of 92 would say that or have the ability to say that because the FD would say, You've said what? If you, I don't want to, I don't need to know about A to B taxis. Have you sold that board, yes or no? Mm. And, and what I'm saying is, let's change it. Mm. Let's be a vehicle, let's be a hub, let's be a center, let's be a community that actually, absolutely supports others like we expect them to support us because <laughs> what, equity is a two-way street
2: yeah what, what do you think of what um Brian and, and and Ryan Reynolds are doing at Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds are doing it to Wrexham Julian which is interesting in respect of do
1: you want to know my honest opinion
2: that actually well th- well one of the things that they are doing really well I think is pushing the club sponsors in a way that I haven't seen before um what happens
1: when they go, Tim?
2: Yeah, well, that, you know, that's the, that was sort of what I was saying about Forest Green, you know, because is that, is that a sustainable model that he's building up there?
1: And, um, I'm, I'm, and I'm not saying they're going to go, but what I'm saying is, let's – and I've got to be careful what I say, I think, sometimes.
2: But no, please don't be, because it'll, it'll increase the listenership if you're, uh, <laughs> you're indiscreet. What I want to say is, right – Tim and I are both praying that you're going to be really, really
1: indiscreet. So please don't be careful. Okay, I won't be careful. I'm sick to to death of fans selling selling their soul for a fiver then crying about it. Right. Okay? Because I can tell you stories recently where I think football clubs, clubs like Wrexham, good luck to them. I hope Ryan Reynolds and everybody else are going to do an amazing job. They're a Welsh club. I'd love to see every Welsh club in the Premier League. I was lucky to play for Cardiff and Swansea. So I'm a Cardiff fan, but I don't mind Swansea. And I like Wrexham and I like Newport. Right. Okay. I'm a, I'm, a Welsh, I'm a Welsh football fan. So I hope they do well. But let's be completely honest. It's a £2 million purchase on the back of a signed agreement for a £9 million Netflix deal. Let's just be honest. Okay. There's a net £7 quid straight away in their bin just for just in, enhancing what they do. It's a content play. Let's be honest. I hope it's more than that, but I don't think it is. It's a content play. Yeah, and I'm, and, and I'm... yes, they might drag people through. Yes, they may help people. Yes, they may drag people through. My big concern is, and I hope it's not the case, that when the next Netflix thing runs out, that they stay around. Because otherwise, yes, they might have increased the asset value. They might have increased the marketing. They might have increased whatever. But we know for a fact that when a lot of ownerships, when they change hands, is in a distressed way. There's not many people who buy a football club on the app. OK, most ownership changes because they've gone into administration, they've run out of money or they've run out of love or they've been run out of town. OK, and, and what I want to say is I would much prefer Mr. Reynolds and that to come in to Wrexham and say, i tell you what we'll do. We've just earned seven million quid. All right. We will have 51 percent ownership of the club and we're going to give you 49 percent ownership of the club. Okay and when the Netflix deals over, we'll actually flip that we you can have fifty when we'll have forty nine am right. yeah,
2: I, um, I, I I hear what you said I've heard a lot of people saying that i the reason i I don't agree with you is they've been pretty public about what their aims are, and they've done it in a pretty adult way. These are smart boys, and they've they've laid their manifesto out, if you like. the other is because I'm just a little bit on the inside of this in many ways. When they had the idea to do this, and, and let's be clear, one of the reasons they did it actually was buying an American sports franchise is much more expensive than buying a British sports franchise, but they wanted to, they wanted to get into that business. Um, but the, the people who advised them were a, a, a bank called Inner Circle Sports, who are very different from most banks and that the guys who, uh, and they've they've advised on many um, football club acquisitions, but one of the things that they they do, and I know this for a fact, is they absolutely grill people like Ryan and Rob on on the sort of stuff that you're talking about, on the fact that owning a football club is is not like owning other businesses, and on, look, you've got to leave this in a better place than you got it. So I think what we should do is probably get, get you back on in a year's time, et cetera, and check on the... Um, look, well, I, I think who's I right think, and who's wrong, but... Yeah, but
1: I think the thing is, though, Tim, if I'm being honest with you, is I don't want it to fail. No. Okay, I don't want it to fail. But with football fans, right, this is the thing, okay? we talk about We talk about ownership getting us we talk about ownership understanding 100 years of history Wrexham is one of the is one of the oldest international grounds in the world if not the oldest international ground in the world still in today right we talk about all these things okay and and then we say we're going to allow Mr Reynolds and I into the club and and I pray they do a good job and I'm not saying they're not going to do a good job what's their exit strategy
2: well, they've okay. think, they've talked about it, they have sort of talked about it and said you know they want to make sure that um, when they do go, the club is in a great position and I think that's why you know I, I I tend to differ with you because they have actually been you know as a i don't know what your position Kevin because now you've looked at this, but I think as a uh, as a case study of engaging with your fan base mm-hmm. doing it in an uh, a sensible way an intelligent way and also a different way I think they've done a really I, I couldn't fault them so far to be honest with you
1: no look at and that I, and, I, and, I've, and I've seen the bits with the Welsh lady speaking Welsh language calling them you know and it's, some of it's funny you know and some of it's quite quite quirky and they've obviously got a good marketing campaign about it my, my question is if they didn't get a Netflix deal would they have bought it
2: well um, I think the, the, the documentary deal was an obvious ploy because let's face it, we've seen it many, many times. Um, and uh, in this market in particular, but in lots of other markets, football sells. But they were very, very clear. I mean, I've followed it and I've written about it.
1: No, but Tim, I'm asking you the question. If they didn't have the Netflix deal, would they have bought the club? I don't right?
2: think that was the primary motivator.
1: Is that a yes or no?
2: Well, I, I, look, you, you, don't, you don't go into, into something for one thing. You go in for a set of reasons. Yeah, know. but I, I, think, I, think, I think ultimately, right, let's,
1: let's, let's wrap it up however we want to wrap it up. How, are they going in there to make money? Okay. Are they going in there to, to, to gain some exposure? Are they going in there for the fun of it? Whatever the reason is. All I'm saying is, is because they are much more maybe upfront and marketable and funny and everything else, what differs them to another foreign and another another ownership of a club that's going to take them down a road and when the money runs out they're going to walk away. Well, and, I do and when we to we're going to leave them a great me. position. Hang on a 2nd we're still going to leave them a great position. How do you quantify that? How, what what is a great position? Is is two places above where they are at the moment in the conference a great position? I just worry about football, <laughs> right? I worry about football, and the reason why I worry about football is is that I believe and I think the horse is bolted, and after i going to go back to the ESL, I, I, the horse is bolted in the, top, in the top higher divisions. I believe that the football club, when people come in there, they should be looking to amplify the, the club, its community, its surroundings, its people. Its, so you're taking, you're taking individual stories of the people are around it and then showing the togetherness on a match day. And, and all of that to, to enrich people's lives, to make the, the area better. Brian and Rob are doing that at Wrexham? Yeah, can well...
2: I, can I buy yeah.
1: it? <laughs> <laughs> Tim, if you're on the payroll, great. If you're not, you know what I mean? I, what, I'm, what I'm saying you know,
2: I'm not on the payroll. I'm I'm, compl- I'm absolutely not. But what I do like to do is call out... I don't out like it.
1: I'll be honest with what you.
2: What I do like, like to do is call out what I see as doing good, good work.
1: Yeah.
2: And I think a lot of what they've done, and I'd be really interested in Kev's point of view on this, but in terms of stakeholder engagement, um, uh, amplifying the club, you're talking about it, having a very clear manifesto and saying we will be judged on this at, You know, on and off the field, I think it's been really good. And, and I get your point about you think a lot of stuff in football is broken, but what I don't want to do... Is it sounds like a franchise thing. I don't, I don't want to say that everything in football is bad, and I was interested in your point of view on it. I just happen to differ with you.
1: i just think it's a franchise i think what they're doing is and you said it they couldn't afford to buy an american franchise so in their mind they bought a vehicle they bought a british franchise in a vehicle which is wrexham they haven't bought wrexham football club and the heritage and everything that's gone with it they bought a vehicle to do a netflix program
0: right can i i'll be just (laughs) a few of you on it for me um and then i'll see if we can shift this on because i think you know it's weird. we're both passionate no, no, it's important what everybody, you know, it's important what's being talked about. Now, in terms of Wrexham, look, I mean, I spent years um, dealing with the fallout from terrible ownership in that place. You know, I worked with the Wrexham Supporters Trust when in 2004 um, they finally pulled the transfer fund that was, was, was that was being handed over to Andrew Hamilton. The bloke, you know, the boat took the ground. In the end, it got returned because of their hard work and, and a very, very good administrator talk about administrative receivers there are some very good ones out there if you're very very lucky or at least they used to be um so my heart a little bit of my heart was broken when they sold but one of the problems that Wrexham had is that um they obviously got relegated they nearly went up the season they got relegated to the National League to the, to the, the then conference because they had the cash from the previous owner that had left them in a not particularly good position and the ground had been sold to the um to the local university to the glendower university right and then um and then they got stuck and the real tragedy um for me is that the club was in a very healthy financial position it had finally got back the manager who should never have left but that's what happens he went to Warsaw, got got you know did it did, didn't do very well got removed got sacked or whatever came back assembles a good squad under fan ownership Um, They're doing okay and then all of a sudden bang everything, you know, all the glory, they were profitable as well. All the glory goes to the, to the um, Yeah, one of
2: three in the division who were profitable. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 to the new owners and that is no mean feat in the National League.
2: Tell me, tell me about it.
0: Exactly, you're a Halifax Town fan. So I, I, I say a little bit of my, you know, and I've always been very open about being very, you know, I think fan ownership is a superior model, but in English football, you cannot, and you know, in English football, in the English system, you cannot have, um, you know, you won't find mass success for those because of the the dreadful overall model that we've got, right? And um, and obviously fan engagement and and engagement of of the local community, all that sort of stuff is is forgotten so much. And all the things you said are absolutely, you know, so much truth in what you're saying, Julian. The bit that, the bit that's, um, if, you know, someone could listen to this and say, right, well, Julian, so, you're you're involved in an ownership group presumably you see some hope that you can create a beacon in what in what you do with which which club your ownership group buys but the other the, the other thing as well is is are we writing off are we you know so bringing us back to the the subject you know, i don't want to just make it about the title of the podcast but given that, that this is all about why don't fans get asked why don't they get listened to I get that you can do something in your own environment, the place you you choose in the end to buy. And and, 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 I, and I wish you every, you know, I really, really hope um, that you get to do the things you want to do because it's been proven it works at places like Norwich. I can see it working there and you can see it working in other places. But is there something that can be done game-wide? Are we are we just giving up on it and saying, well, we're going to try in our own places? But are we, and I get, you you know, you've had a, bat, you've had a, be honest, we've had, you've had a crappy experience and I think it, it accords with a lot of conversations I have with people in football but is there an opportunity to, to, to not fight back but to start to construct something better? No, I, look, I, look,
1: I think, look, I, I, think I, I want to finish off the Rex and point in a second. I wish them luck and I hope it works but all I'm saying is my belief system, it's a content play. Okay, I'll just put a full stop there and we'll move on. Okay, it's a content play. Without Netflix, I don't think they'd be there. Just put that there. And when it's finished, I I hope it doesn't all end in tears. I'm just going to put that there. Finish. Full stop. <laughs> what I'm saying is, is I think football's broken. And when I go back to football's broken, it's broken because it's cannibalizing itself. And it's cannibalizing itself for success. Because everyone's success is deemed which division you're in and how, how you are in that division. Why do we quantify success in that way? You know, for me, look, there's a good chance if, if, if within the ownership group that we've got, we're going to buy a club that is not going to be a Welsh club. Okay, right. So you're gonna somebody's gonna have a mad Welshman at the helm of their club. The whole idea for us as an ownership group is to create a asset value for the community that, in the end, will be able to be realised by owners, but will leave the club with true core community assets and an ownership model that will have fans involved within it that there will be a point where we can flip it, okay? And that flip will come into a club that, to be fair to Rex and what you're saying, or whatever club in the conference, if you look at the most successful clubs, and when we say successful, how do we quantify the word success? Okay, that's one thing we need to do because everyone's definition of success is different. My definition of success is being as good as that club can be they okay. yeah,
0: being the best version of. It was being the best said, version of themselves. Someone bought, someone bought, I think, Charlton Athletic, and said, "I want to make us the Man United of the South." And someone, I think it might have been the Supporters Trust or someone else, came back and said, "I just want to be the best Charlton Athletic."
1: You'd be the best Charlton Athletic. Athletic can be, and 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 I always, I actually use Charlton as being one of those points sometimes. With and people say, you know, we got to be honest, we're all fans, but sometimes fans, you know. Do get things wrong as well as ownership. Let's be honest. I remember listening to a Radio Five uh, phone in and somebody saying kerbishley has got to go. He's taken us as far as he can take us. They were sixth in the Premier League. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So actually, actually, he was right. Yeah, because he'd had taken them as far as he could take them, and from there there was only one way, which was down. Yeah. So, so, and any any Charlton fan now would love to go back to the halcyon days of. Kirbishly and 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 top t- top table of uh, of English football, but what I'm what I'm saying is is that let's just say for instance you know I'm not going to mention a club because it's unfair, but if if somebody goes into a club and looks at the club and says right, how are we going to make this sustainable? How and 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 if you look at the if you look at the dance moves of clubs that have done been successful, okay, like a Norwich, okay. I actually think Luton Town are a good example, okay? I actually think if you look outside of football, you look at Exeter Chiefs, okay? Another good example in rugby, okay? All right, who have gone in and done things right because they've done their Exeter and they say they're Exeter, okay? Am so I
0: chucking Warrington Walls Rugby League into that? Yeah,
1: been- okay, all right. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of rugby league. I
0: think- yeah, I know Cole there and he's... A- yeah. like, and I, I, think there's, I think you could chuck them in there, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So if you think about what... If, if you had to design a football club tomorrow, what would it look like? Okay. And it wouldn't look like a lot of football clubs you've got today. So, as an ownership going in, what I wouldn't mind doing is I wouldn't mind having a seven million pound Netflix deal, for instance. But that seven million pound would go straight into the football club, right? To create an asset. And that asset would be the stadium. And that asset would be funding enabling around that stadium. But we wouldn't sell our soul to, to fund the stadium with that. We'd want to ensure that the cinema or the hotel or the retail or the shared accommodation or that comes back into a pot that actually sustains the football club. Because footballing revenues for a lot of clubs, okay, are not sustainable and they're not where the spend is. So what we're saying is if football is not prepared to get its house in order in terms of every pound comes in, spends £1.40 or £1.27, pound twenty-seven then you've got to find ways of trying to do it differently. What I'm talking about in terms of an ownership and a legacy project is a a complete engagement strategy, an engagement strategy with the council, engagement strategy with the local community, engagement strategy with the schools, engagement strategy with the businesses, engagement strategy with fans. All of the money coming in, let's just say we're going to buy a club called, I don't know, let's make something up. Uh, new york city right but it's based in the uk right let's just say that for argument's sake right we're going to make sure that what we what i want to do in essence is create the new york city pound okay because i want us to all of that money that comes in all right to stay locally so for instance our model dictates that we our revenues are generated and we have a percentage of that for football in budget if we get lucky and we have an adam ramsey come through the system and he goes and sells for 7 million. We have a model that takes that 7 million and says a proportion of that's going to go there, a proportion of that's going to go there, a proportion of that's going to go there. But a proportion of that is going to go into a community business fund that people can draw down on for investment into their businesses in the local community. Okay. So let's just say we sell Adam for 10 million and our thing is 25% of that's going to, so 2.5 million is going to go into a pool, the club, the club has to invest in local businesses. All right. We create this, this New York pound. All right. We create a stadium that is fit for purpose. We create funding enabling all around it. We have a well-run club that is not lazy, that is effective, that is efficient. We don't sign players because somebody said he's all right. So okay?
0: Julian, are you going to do this to you know, is are you are you um you know. If it works in your place, you know where you are. Um, that's that's great, and just you know, in the same way that it's great that it works at w- what Norwich do, you know. And I think to some you know to some extent, there's a well, there is an awful lot of what you're talking about in a club like that, and there's an awful lot of what you're saying in in, in some other clubs that I know. But um, long term, um, we are looking at um, something has to change in the way it's all run. Because, you know, you're saying it's broken, it needs to be fixed. Um, and you can't, you can't just have it fixed by the fans telling, you know, you know, by a fan-led review of football and then tweaking some regulation. It's not about doing, you know, I mean, I think a lot of this is about football becoming a sports business and actually understanding the type of business it is rather than constantly between all these various little bit you know the things you're talking about tran- you know transfer driven model essentially you know whatever it is actually and then having some really good clubs there that do do it properly actually set the model stop pretending that um that football clubs are all different because that's the argument i always hear yeah yeah every club's different so we can't we can't do too much to to tell them what to do yeah well so so every club isn't basically the same then is that what you're saying oh no no i don't mean that so So is it by the end, in the end, is this actually about creating a model where you've got all these, not necessarily having a community fund. That's, you know, that's quite a radical proposal and I love it, by the way. But, you know, are we saying that basically every club has to be told that it's going to have to do this. It's going to have to have fan involvement in some form. It's going to have to be, so it's going to have to do what Brighton do with its finances. It's going to have to publish them. It's going to have to be totally open about it. It's going to have to do what what Norwich do with its fan engagement strategy where it speaks at every single level of the club and brings input from everywhere? Going, you know, or are we just going to continue on? Uh, you know, is your, what your model is, is, is tremendously radical, but is the, are there ele- large elements of that and then elements of what I talk about and, and, and all those sorts of things? Um, you know, are, there, are there elements that can create something that's better that means that, that actually you've got this... You know, you've got this... this, uh, this ecosystem. This, uh, this, but is this possible across other clubs? Are we are we just going to give up and go? It's going to work where you are, and it well, I,
1: I think I think the thing is, Kevin. At, at the end of the day, um, you can only control what what you can control as as an individual and in an individual club. I would hope that if they saw it as being a successful model, which we hope it will be, that that people, you know, the greatest form of flattery is imitation. Um, so, you know, I think people will look to copy it. The problem you've got in many ways. Is that, you know? Again, I'm going to use the term, but I think some of the horses bolted. The government does need to bring in some forms of legislation. You know, I can't speak about certain things for legal reasons, but you can just look at some of the recent history of football clubs. It's well documented. We tried to buy Wigan Athletic Football Club, and if you just go back and look at the recent history of Wigan Athletic Football Club, you'll see that you'll see a lot of the things that I'm saying. And good luck to the new owners. I hope it works out well. Um, and and you know. F- that's great. But what I'm saying is, is the problem you've got is, and I, and I feel, I feel for the Premier League, I feel for the EFL because people get confused sometimes. I, I think that they realize that they are actually only a governing body. The decisions generally get made by the clubs themselves. Okay. All right. So, so yes, they may come up with some better ideas, right. To be voted on, but, but generally, okay. They, they, all they're trying to do is they're trying to herd cats. In, ter- in terms of the EFL all right because there's so many moving parts there's so much self-interest there's so much of everything and it's difficult to get 72 people to agree something okay I remember years ago when I went to the pre- the, the, the Football League um, conference which was in Portugal and, and, and Brian Winney was 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 the, the, the EFL um, chairman at the time and it was the first time that solidarity payments were, were being put out from the Premier League to the football league clubs. And I was sat in a finance meeting and the deal pretty much got done. And, and somebody walked into the room from the EFL and said, great news, you can tell your fans, you can spend more money on transfers. I only fell off my chair, okay? We, we can't, we're like this now, trying to stay above water. You want us to, The money that's coming in, you want us to spend more on players? Is that what you're saying? You know, and it's like, really? Is that with and 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 that's the problem is, is is money is a motivator for a lot of ownership and clubs, right? Money is the motivator, and the motivation is to get to the Premier League because that's where the biggest amount of money is, okay? And and when money is a motivator and fans then don't generate that much money, fans start becoming not becoming a part of the motivation, okay? And the higher you go, the less that is, right? And 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 we have to get back to, and we I don't know how we do it, we need to look at it. We I think we need to bring in a salary cap based on you know based on numbers or based on turnover. You know, we need to do those things. And and and, and, and I was I was quite honest and, and brutal about this. You know, when football clubs went to the government and said we need a handout, I, I got quite upset about it because I'm saying you've managed your businesses, a lot of people manage their businesses poorly for however long, and now you want us to check check taxpayers' money into black holes, okay? Into holes that are being created because you've mismanaged your business. Now, there's some football clubs that don't do that. I get it. I understand it, right? And, and I get it. But let's be completely honest. You can't, any business, and I'm talking about own bars and restaurants. If I, if I bring a pound in, I cannot spend £1.20. Not for long. Not for long. And what happens is, and this is my fear, okay, is that when new owners or owners come in and they promise all of these things it's then the supporters trust in the main or the fans who are left holding the baby when when the space has been left don't worry there's a five million pound a year hole i'll fill it just go and spend it okay year one is great year two it doesn't work year three where are they Okay. Then you're left on the brink of administration. Clubs like Barry. How's Barry gone out of business? I lived in Barry for a while. Breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. Okay. How have those things happened? All right. So, and I, I think there needs to be a change, but the, the control needs to be on, on, the, on the spending. The control needs to be on players' wages. The, the control need that's where, you know, that's where 90% of the club's money, you know, I, I, we looked at some accounts recently. A football club was bringing in 11 million and spent 19 million on players. How does that work? How can you ever do that? And, and what,
2: Judy, I'm very envious uh, that you went to the Football League conference in Portugal after uh, I helped co-negotiate the Football League sponsorship. Back in uh, 2004, I think it was, we, we went to the Football League Commerce, it was in Walsall.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, in Poland? I, I, or I, the Midlands?
2: No, <laughs> Walsall, <laughs>
1: uh, hey, look,
0: That's where half my family now lives, Tim. <laughs> yeah,
2: oh, I yeah but I think... Look, I, 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 don't, I, don't make, I don't make any, any observation <laughs> on that it's not
1: Portugal. No, no, it's not. It was, it's war, it was warm in Warsaw today. Um, but, you know, <laughs> and I, I quite like Warsaw. I've, I've driven past it a few times. And they've got some great funding <laughs> <and> enabling that. <laughs> they're driven past it, <laughs> yeah. It's a great place on the M6. Um, but no, I, th- look, I think, and I, I don't want to labour the point and, we, and I, 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 we get stuck on it. But at some point, football has got to talk about the elephant in the room. And the elephant in room is players' wages and acquisition, OK? If we can curtail that, clubs start to become sustainable.
2: Yeah. Well, right? I think there are two elephants, aren't there? One is one is actually, as you say, it's about the complete, you know, the madness of, 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 of player wages and spending on them. I think Brentford just set a new record. They spent, I think the, the, the wages to turnover ratio was just a touch under 220% which I think is a new record. And the other one is distribution. There's revenue distribution. You know, Those are the two crucial aspects to it. Uh, and it's not easy to solve because we need a European-wide... Uh, you know, We can't just do it in the UK. It needs to be a European-wide uh, framework for it to, to work effectively. Otherwise, we're going to have some, some interesting situations. But you're absolutely right. I think, I think it, the problem is it's quite a nuanced conversation, isn't it, Julian, at the moment? And, yeah. and, and the media don't like nuanced conversations in well, the type of media that you're talking about. I mean, because that debate is going on in certain places, but it's not going to go on in the mainstream media because it is pretty nuanced and it, um, it raises some uncomfortable issues.
1: Yeah, but I think I think you've got to sort out the players' wages, and then you sort about distribution. Because if you sort about distribution, <laughs> it skews the wages again. So I think you've you got know, to do both at the same time, haven't
2: you? At the end of the day, yeah,
1: yeah, it, yeah it, and, and that's and that for me is 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 yeah. where it's at. But if if and it can, look, we've I, got I, it
2: right I, now. I, we've got it right now. I mean, this is this is you know right at the time it happens with with my team, the mighty and FC Halifax Town. We've got the usual thing going on with agents right now who, who, like every club in our position, you know, we're staring down the barrel of, can we keep any of
1: this squad together?
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: and it's, I mean, and it's every year. And it's really hard, but you know, f- for me, how can you build mm-hmm. a, an engaged, focused, community-driven <laughs> club that will be around for the next 200 years, because there is a model of succession of baton holders of the institution that pass it on within strict guidelines that ensures that we don't lose the ability to enrich pe- local people's lives through the vehicle of sport, and, and and that's why I'm passionate about it because I think there's lots of football fans who now are disenfranchised or disengaged, and I I was one of them, um, and I think. I think that's sad. And I think it's sad because football and sport has the ability and the power to improve and enrich and change people's lives. And and I remember going back many years ago, you know, when going back 2000, it was 2001 Cardiff city played Leeds United. And I don't even remember the game. Um, We won two one. And afterwards it was a very difficult post-match. Let's just put it that way. Um, And, and, and I'd had enough and, and, you know, we had an ownership that was interesting, uh, Mr. Hammam and, and bits and pieces. And and you know, there was a couple of people in the club that said we've had enough. If we're if we're gonna go forward, we need to try and change things and we need to try and you know, and we started this and don't throw it away campaign because if you remember, somebody threw a coin and it hit, I think it was Andy Derso in the head. Um, and he, he had to go and have some bits and pieces, and it was horrendous. And that's what really kicked off our Um, Football, learning through football program, and I'm I'm from a a council estate in Cardiff called Ely, which is one of the biggest council estates in Europe, and and we wanted to put together an education program um, that that could help kids. And at that time, they were really they were really new, and we walked into my uh, infant school, um, which you know is 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 very you know in a very poor area in a very rough area. Um, and, and obviously, you know, the, the children in there have having, having a difficult time. And, you know, we walked into a classroom and we said, look, you know, can we show you something? And, and I said to the, the teacher before, he said, you know, which child in here is, is struggling with their maths more than any other child. And she pointed out to this little boy and he was about seven or six or seven. And uh, we had a bag of footballs and I said to him, you know, can you tell me what three and three is? And he was like, um, you no, know, he couldn't, he didn't want to know. And I got six footballs out, and I put three over there and three over there, and said, "How many footballs are there, mate?" And he went six. And the teacher, and I nearly started crying. The, te- the teacher just sort of like, "Wow," and, mm-hmm. and and the power of that, and the power of the community, and I, you know, and, and I don't want to get all sentimental and romantic about it. That's that could have changed that kid's life.
0: Be yeah, be sentimental. That's what.
1: Yeah, do you know what I mean? And that's that could have changed this kid's life. Yeah, and that's and that's why and that's why I do what I do because I'm passionate about what it is, and I hope at the end of the day, we can just leave this place better than when we found it. And I mean in general, not football clubs. Um. So so you know, for me, I think you know there's an opportunity in football, and lots of people do amazing education programs, by the way. But there's lots of opportunities in football to give a bit back to the community which I think will be then returned the other way in spades. And especially if you create a model that is a transparent model, even if the owner of your football club comes from Mars, it doesn't matter where they come from. It's, it's the reasons why they're there and what their exit strategy and end goal is. If their exit strategy and end goal is to leave an asset-rich club, both, and when I talk about assets, I mean socially, economically, sporting, and financially, OK, they deserve every penny they get taken in out of it. As long as they pass that baton over to somebody who's then going to sit within that model of being able to deliver a club that brings is a fulcrum and brings that town together. And we know, you know, my wife, when we had COVID, right, we had COVID, um, we had COVID in the house last March and we were laying in bed and, and I was like, I felt like death's door. My wife felt like death's door. What are we going to watch? So we started watching Sunderland till I die. Okay, great program, compelling viewing, loved it. And I thought to myself, it's really good for Sunderland, but the marketeer in my head says, my wife really likes Sunderland now, but Sunderland doesn't know about my wife. Okay, so there's no, there's no outreach program for Sunderland to get to my wife, okay? Because they can't, they don't even know she exists. All right. So how can Sunderland, and I don't know how they do it, but I do have an idea, actually. Right. But how can they create their own content that they can be put in front of the masses that allows them to capture the data that Julian and Denise watched that program? So in three months time, Denise gets sending through, she gets a Sunderland till I die coaster that says, thank you for watching the program. We really appreciate your support. Okay. how can you cajul that? So even some of these programs that these football clubs are on, like the Netflix and things like that, they're great for the club. But it's very difficult for the club to truly activate it and maximize it because they can't get to the viewer. Okay, they can't physically get to the viewer. And and what I'm trying to advocate through some of the stuff, because the club we go into, yes, we'll want to do a content play because let's be honest, that's where this a lot of this is. But that content play goes into the education program. It goes into advancing the stadium. It goes into the infrastructure. It goes into all of these things that creates and drives value and assets. Because we're not interested as an ownership of taking money out. One day there's an exit strategy. Yes, maybe someone will come along and say, Julian, you're £10. Thanks for coming. Okay, But we'll be leaving that with assets that the club that should be able to run itself, be sustainable and deliver on all of the community engagement, the fan engagement bits in there, that it can. And what I'd like to see, and I, I'm, I'm too romantic, is that that would be replicated through football. And and And, you know, again, if you look at the dance moves of successful clubs, a lot of them move from stadium into new stadium, right? Because that creates the opportunity to really, Drive people to your to, uh, drive audience to your to your product. They're very good in the community. They have very good engagement programs across the board. But all I all I wish is, and I know a lot of clubs do, is is that we start to think about what have you really bought? And what you've really bought, if you take it back, is generally a football team that was set up to represent its local area and the workers and the people within it. Okay. And if we can go back to that and have a hybrid of modern business, modern media, all of these things, but that money that comes in is done in a model that you only spend X amount of it on your playing staff and your footballing budget, but you create this wonderful asset value of, you know, building things. You know, why, why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we help in the community? You know, what we go to the council, we want all these things. Why can't we turn around and say, look, we've just had, five million quid for a player. Can we build some social housing somewhere? How can we, how can we invest 5 million pound into social housing? Right. And, and, you know, okay. Every door is going to have a red, you know, if, if, if it's, I don't know, um, Stockport County, it's, every door going to have a blue door and it's going to have a little badge on it. Right. But you know, h- how can we, how can we do these things? How can we put back in and, and, and and we'll get it back in shovel. And it might be too romantic, it might be to all of these things, but but when I when I think about fan engagement, and again I will go back to it, we, we started this in two thousand and four, two thousand and six. I think it's more than that. I think it's and I, and I think that's where when COVID happened and everybody started to realise, what well, was it truly important to them? Okay, and and people were starting to spend time in their rooms on their own, going, oh, I have to think about something else in a minute, all right? And there's going to be huge mental health issues at the back of this, all right? How can football clubs help do, help solve all of that, and and in between win a few football matches, and in between you know uh, be successful, and and I think that's where, from my standpoint, engagement is, and I think that's that's the bigger picture that I that I would like to try and eulogise about, talk about, and hopefully deliver. And I, I'll go back to it. I have nothing wrong with Wrexham or Ryan Reynolds or anybody. I hope and pray that what I talk about when they leave eventually there's remnants of what they're going to do and and, and it's and a lot of these things it, and unfortunately it's deeds not words and 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 that's and that's where we are with a lot of that ownership i, I believe anyway <laughs>
0: hope you enjoyed that episode of did they ask the fans from a really passionate julian jenkins we've got loads more very special guests coming up keep an ear out and don't forget to like subscribe and share in your favorite podcast app it really does help us and pop over to fanengagement.net for more on what we do